Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word and find your way to the New Testament book of Mark. Mark chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning. And if you're a first-time guest, I want to welcome you to our church. We are in the middle of our kickoff season. Our, our midweek ministry is about to resume here in a few weeks. And so we are in week two of a series called Love God, Love Others, Reach the World. Uh, those three statements are the three components of the mission statement of Salem Heights Church. And we believe that these three components, these three aspects are what will help us as a church fulfill the vision we believe God has given our church. And that vision, our purpose is to present everyone complete in Christ. That our desire is to raise up people who know God's word, who know him deeply, and that when they stand before him one day, they will stand before him as someone who's gone through a transformation process that will be culminated in glory, that they were, they were saved and they began to be transformed by the spirit of God, by the power of his word, and they will stand before him complete, mature in Christ. And so this is a process. And so what we wanted to do over these three weeks of our kickoff series is to be able to unpack each one of these parts of our mission statement and to consider how this is an important part to us fulfilling that mission of being complete in Christ. So this morning, we're going to focus on the aspect of loving others. And this, this is a, a familiar statement. It's a, it's a familiar call for Christians to have a love for other people. Um, my hope this morning is that uh, we can highlight something that maybe you haven't thought about recently. And it's a, it's a simple but important concept when it comes to living this out. And so would you stand with me as we read our text this morning? We're going to be in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. If you're ready to hear from God, say ready. Ready. This is the word of the Lord. One of the scribes approached, and when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one and that there's no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. Would you join me in prayer? God, we just turn our attention to you now and we ask that you would give us understanding of what it means here to love our neighbors, to love others. God, we need to hear from you. We don't need to hear from man. We need to hear from you. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us understand this familiar truth this morning. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Love your neighbor as yourself. A familiar command. But one of the things that we've been stressing last week and we'll stress again this morning is that it is vital for, for us believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, to not get bored with the familiar. 
It's the start of a, a new sports season. Football is among us. I know there's many football fans in the room. Some of you don't care about football, but bear with me as I give this illustration. Every year, teams start out, and if you watch any kind of sporting event, no matter what sport or activity it is, oftentimes you will hear commentators commenting if one team is not doing the little things right. And because those little things, if we don't know how to block or tackle, those can lead to poor performance. They can lead to us failing, not being able to succeed. And so every year, coaches usually start with the fundamentals. They start with the basics. They go back to familiar things to make sure that we're solid on those things because upon that foundation, we can build into greater success. It's important for us as Christians to not get bored with the familiar texts of Scripture. Sometimes we come to church and we see the passage that the pastor might be preaching on and we hear it read and we're like, I already heard this before. I know this verse. Don't let that attitude be yours. We cannot get too familiar with scripture to where we become bored with it. See, simple truth, regularly revisited, begins to break through the noise of this broken world. Simple truth, regularly revisited. We will sit and we'll ponder and we'll familiarize ourselves once again with these texts. We'll begin to break through the noise of this broken culture and reveal splendor not found among men. Those things we're looking for to amaze us, to inspire us, to guide us, we're not gonna find them by pondering the familiar things of this broken world, but we can actually find them in the familiar truths of scripture. A splendor that we won't find among men, and that splendor will strengthen our faith in God. And so when we think about the most important command, because that's what the scribe is asking Jesus here in our text, right? What's the most important? They had all kinds of laws. There were the 10 commandments and then there were hundreds and hundreds of other laws that are in the Old Testament scriptures. And, and so what he's coming to is said, hey, I, I wanna be in right standing before God. Simplify it for me, bottom line it for me, Jesus. Which is the most important? And we hear him say, to love God with everything we are. And I think uh, that kind of command, if we understand who God is, makes sense. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He is the one to whom we will give an account. But then Jesus says this, look again with me at the text here. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then verse 31, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And then catch this. What is Jesus doing here? He was asked to give the number one, to give the greatest command. And then he gives two commands. If you are new to the Bible and you read through the first four books of the New Testament, which are called the gospel account. Jesus will do this regularly. (laughs) He'll say things that on the surface are like, what? And then he begins to unpack it and we begin to see what he's doing. Because at first glance, this might seem confusing, but what I believe Jesus is doing here as he answered the scribe's question is this. He is trying to identify that there is a connection between these two commands. And the implication is that you cannot do one without the other. If you claim to love God, but you don't love others, you are not fulfilling the greatest command. And if you attempt to love others, but don't love God, you're not fulfilling the greatest command. 
Now, the problem is anytime we hear about commands or this is what's expected or this is what you're supposed to do, sometimes we hear that and we go, okay, I am supposed to love God with everything I am and I am supposed to love others. Okay, I must love God. I must love others. Is that true for you? No one's moving. (laughs) Do you sense the weight of that expectation? The Lord's blessed my wife and I with three kids. And every time we found out that we were expecting a new child, there was a, a weight that came out of nowhere, entered into the room and after the excitement of another child became, for me, maybe it's just a dad thing, but the weight of expectation. Not only to provide, but how am I even going to love this child like I love the other children? Or how am I going to provide? How am I, you know, what are they going to need? But here's what I want us to understand about this. I don't believe here that Christ is trying to put an obligation on his hearers. And this is why I believe that God's not trying to say, hey, I need you to kind of muster up the strength to love me more and to love other people. It's because self-produced love always falls short. Any kind of love that you could produce is going to be inadequate. It's going to be inconsistent. And oftentimes it's not even the kind of love that the other people need. See, Christ is calling us to give something that we don't possess naturally. And so what do we do? Then how are we going to fulfill this greatest commandment of loving others? Well, here's here's the solution. Our ability to fulfill the greatest command requires that love first be received, then developed in us. It's a simple truth. You can't give away something you don't possess. If you look in the, in the original language of this text, when it says to love God and to love others, we see a Greek word translated agape. This is God's love. This is divine love. This is not a love that's produced naturally in sinful man. It's a love that's motivated outside of personal desires. It's unconditional. It's, it doesn't re- require reciprocation. It is completely motivated by a, an unselfish love in that person for someone else. And we don't possess that naturally. And what he's telling us here is if you want to be able to fulfill this part of the greatest command, which is to love others, you first have to love me. But the question then for me in my kind of sequential mind is, okay, if I can't love like this, but you're calling me to love you, how do I love God first so that I can even be able to love other people? Ever thought about that? If God is needless, if God doesn't need anything from us, if everything is his, how do I give him something? Where does that come from? How do we love God when we don't have what it takes to produce that kind of love? Well, I think the scriptures are clear in other parts of the gospel where Jesus is teaching and throughout other parts of the New Testament. I think the call is for us to love him like a child. And this is what I mean by that. You know, when you were a little kid, you had affection for your parents you loved them. When you were little, you, you, you wanted to, to be near them. You wanted to, for them to hold you and to hug you and to scoop you up. You had nothing in yourself to give them. 
There was nothing that you had. It wasn't like you could write them a check. It wasn't like you could, you know, start doing chores yet. You're a little kid. But you could show them love by the affection that you had for them. You came to your parents and your neediness out of love. I think that's the kind of love that we first need to approach God with. Not a love that says, God, let me give you something that I have. No, look, let me, Lord, I, I love you. I want to come near you because I recognize what you've done for me. And I'm coming to you needy in every way. And when we approach God with that kind of love, this kind of love, God, I, I need you. I want to be near you. I, I'm nothing without you. I'm hopelessly broken. I'm hopelessly empty. Would you fill me up? What he begins to do is he begins to fill me with his love. And that love begins to overflow out of me to other people. So we could talk this morning about all the specific ways that we think we are supposed to love our neighbors and who our neighbors are. But if we don't get step one right, we're never going to get step two right. Our love for God should be the same as the love that a child has for their parents. We need to run to God in our neediness and let him produce this love in us. In fact, one of the men that followed Jesus closely for the three and a half years he was on earth doing ministry, a man named John wrote in another New Testament letter that our ability to love is because he first loved us. And so therefore, if our ability to fulfill the greatest command requires that this love first be received and developed in us, to love others, we must first love God. Now, if you've been attending regularly, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, I mean, this is something that we just continue to try to push our church to be about, to seek Christ first, to make him the priority, to build on that firm foundation, to let those roots go deep because upon Christ, we can stand and nothing of this world will ever overtake us if we are built on him. And so as we get all these things getting to go, we're getting ready for ministry and we're kicking off. We have this amazing music. It's all to remind us that the thing that we need the most is Jesus. And so to, to show this love that we are called to show others, that's not a natural love, requires us to first love God and let him begin to produce us in us. Many of you are familiar with the fruit of the Spirit. This is this idea that we see in the book of Galatians where it talks about what the Holy Spirit will produce in the life of a person who says, I surrender my way and I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm going to remain close to him. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to come to him out of my neediness. And it says, if you will do that, he will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control simultaneously. He'll produce that if we will come to him. And so the existence of a love for others is the evidence that we first love God. John again in his letter later on says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We want to be a church full of people who love others. We have a heart that God is growing for our city. Those people that are far from Jesus. That, that happens simultaneously with a heart to see those who are at our church continuing to be presented complete in Christ, maturing and growing close to him. God has given us this heart at the same time. But for us to love one another well and to love those far from Jesus well, we have to make the priority not one another and not others, but Christ. And if we will do that, he will produce in us a love that is actually the love that people need from you. 
We all love thank you notes. We all love getting little notes of affirmation. It's really nice when people bless us with a gift of their time or service or a gift of their finances. But all of that is second best to the love that that Christ wants to show them through us if we will let him produce that love in us. This world doesn't need our money, our intellect, or our muscles. It needs Jesus. And so we're calling you to love others because Christ calls us to love others, but he's not putting that as an obligation. He says, if you will love me, this second part will just start flowing out of you. But if there is a lack of love in your others or for others in your heart, here is the basic instruction. Return to step one. I would challenge you to do this today, but this is super convicting and I'm really reluctant to do it myself. So I'm not gonna call you to do it, but to go around to those people you do life with the most and say, how loving have I been recently? How much Jesus do you see in me? When you see my life and my words, my actions and my motivations, do they, do they draw your attention to be thought about Jesus or something else? I hope that would be true of me. Hope that would be true of you. But here's the good news. If you're struggling to find this love that you see God command us to have for others in your own heart this morning, if you're struggling, if, you, if there's a person in your mind that goes, I will love everybody, but I cannot love this person, God's not asking you to love that person. He's asking you to allow him to love them through you. See, the key to becoming more loving is spending more time with God. If the truth is you haven't been that loving, you haven't been others focused, you haven't really been concerned about other people's needs, you've been focused on yourself, the key to you actually fulfilling the second half of the greatest command isn't now, okay, I gotta make some changes, I gotta get more discipline, I gotta write more thank you notes, I gotta give a little bit more of my time. No, the step is, I gotta start spending more time with the Lord. He's gotta produce this in me. He's gotta change the way I'm thinking and feeling. He's gotta help take the eyes off myself and to put them on him. I was sitting in a meeting earlier this week where there was some worship. And again, thank you for coming. And I love it when we sing the old hymns because I grew up singing out of a hymnal. And so we were singing and I love it when we, we make these adaptations to kind of bring some of these older hymns into a little bit more of modern or add these little new choruses. But there was a song that I remember growing up and there was a sentence in this song as I was preparing for this morning that just, I felt like the Lord was like, this is the illustration I want you to give. It's the song, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. The first line of the song goes like this. Joyful, you thought I was gonna sing, huh? <laughs> joyful, joyful, we adore you. God of glory, Lord of love. Listen to this. Hearts unfold like flowers before you opening to the sun above. The house that we currently live in, my family, when we bought it, had this little pond in the back. And um, as we got into one of the first seasons of summer and spring, um, there were these lily pads that started to kind of form. And then there were these little flowers that started to, 
to bloom and we have these water lilies. And what's amazing about the water lily is that in the morning when you open the curtains and you look outside, that whole flower is closed up. It's just the way that God made it. It's a way to protect itself. It's how it's growing. But as the temperature begins to warm and the sun begins to come out every day, that flower will open up. It's beautiful. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. See, I believe God's love radiates off those who bask in the sun. Oh, I, I got to love others. Man, I've just been so poor at this. And yes, God loves me and I should, I should love others. No, he's not saying I'm my love upon you and it, you will open up and that will, that will be a blessing to other people. God's love radiates off those who bask in the sun. The scribe here, it's so interesting. At the end of our passage says to him, you are right, teacher. Like Jesus was the one being put on the spot. You've said, said it right. And he makes this interesting statement at the end of verse 33. It says, and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Think about that. So many times when we think about trying to live for God and live the good Christian life, we think about, okay, all the things we're going to do that good Christians do. But he is, this scribe, understanding the Old Testament scriptures, he remembers that even in the Old Testament, before Christ even came, God was telling his people through the prophets, I'm tired of all your sacrifices for sins. I'm tired of all the bulls and goats that are being put on the altar of sacrifices. What I really want is your heart. What I really want is for you to, to follow me, to love me. The simple truth is that to love God is more important than our outward acts of obedience. But hear me, loving God is not an excuse to not be obedient. To say, oh, I love God, but I hate others doesn't work. Or to say, I love God so much, I have no time for others. It doesn't work. No, God is more concerned with your heart than he is with your works. And obedience that pleases him will be born out of time spent with him. I love what one pastor said. He said, when we allow God's grace to flow through us in these times, we soften and become more open-hearted toward fellow sinners. I love that description. Isn't that one of the things that prevents us from loving others? Is we, we just think well, we're better than them. We're, we're not struggling like them. No, no, when we allow God's grace to fall on us, his unmerited favor on our lives reveals that, man, we don't deserve this. And who are we to be judgmental of other people? God, love me. Help me to love like you love. And we begin to then have our hearts softened towards fellow sinners. And, he, and then he says this, we draw near to God and consequently we love his people better and deeper. Do you want to please God? Thank you. <laughs> if you want to please God, I want to encourage you to approach him in your neediness. I can say it very confidently this morning that there is room for all of us to grow in love. Love for God and love for others. If you want to grow in that, don't leave here and find a devotional and, or 10 steps that will help you do that. Here's the one step, follow Jesus. 
Get in his word. Talk to him daily and listen for him to speak. Do you want to be more loving? Seek Christ first. Would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for your great love. God, you continue to draw us to yourself. And as we draw near, your word tells us you continue to make us more like you. God, we are thankful for that. So God, I just pray this this morning that you would let your love flow through us more and more. And that love that you call us to have for others would not be for our glory or for the name of Salem Heights, but the love that flows through the people of Salem Heights Church would be for your glory and the good of those you love. God, you love every person that attends our church, whether they are part of your family or they're still considering, they're still inspecting the gospel. You love everybody in our city, no matter how different they are, or how adamantly against you they are. You still love them. You sent your son to die for them. God, we want to be a church that loves others, but we need you to help us. Would you do that? We pray this in your son's great name. Amen.